This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I'm your host today, Kara Shamborski, here with Kate Lamphere. Hi. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. And we have a very exciting topic today. We will be talking about properties that are not yet comic books that we think should be comic books. But first, how have you guys been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate Scotchless. I have been good. The uh, second semester is underway, and it's good. It's good to be back in the saddle and have a standard routine. You people with anxiety know what I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm back in the groove, and I also, since last I was on the podcast, uh, acquired a kitty. I adopted her from a rescue in Ann Arbor, and she is the cutest and the best. And so for you listeners out there who thought that you had the best cat, I'm sad to inform you that my cat is the best cat. But I read uh, some comics over break um, that my advisor lent me, actually. Um, He is really into comics as well. And I asked his favorite, and he said, Strangers in Paradise by Terry Moore as his favorite, like, property or whatever, right? And so he lent me the first few volumes, and I read um, the first one, and it's progressive for 1993 when it was first published. But man, there is some intense cringing action that happens when you read it in today's day and age, which is a little like, why did my boss tell me to read this? But um, Do you have an example? There's just, like, there's sexual violence, there's domestic violence, and sometimes it's not handled in the best way. Um, It is a slice-of-life comic by Terry Moore, who does Rachel Rising, and it's progressive in the sense that one of the main characters is a lesbian, um, which is cool, and there's, um, you know, LGBT relationships and all that stuff, but the, I've heard that it gets better, I, in fact, was promised, I was made to promise that if I borrowed it, I had to at least read the first two volumes, not just the first one, because the first one's pretty mediocre. Um, Kate, yeah. did you really just, did you really just say it gets better about an LGBTQ book plotline? Okay, okay, but but hear me out. <laughs> like, and that's part of the part that was cringy. It's like, oh, yeah, there's representation, but also it's, like, the most stereotyped, like, butch lesbian, mm. wild and out there, like, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. she's very, like, strong and aggressive, and, like, you know, you can tell she likes women because she behaves like a man. Um, wow. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a story is like this love triangle between two women and one man. And apparently this slice of life like dramedy then veers into the crime genre later. So oh. that'll be interesting to see where that goes. I hope they just killed this dude because he's like <laughs> de- beating up one of these women and pressuring her into sex and cheating on her and stuff. So, oh. um, yeah, it's a weird comic to have recommended and lent to you by your boss i'm gonna say that was but um yeah i am still gonna read volume two as i promised and the art is like black and white cartoony stuff because this is all drawn and written by the same person um so i'm interested to see how it evolves um and if volume two is in fact better so 
I am I have dying to hear your report of what you tell your advisor your thoughts were I about already this. talked to him about this. I was like, it was okay. And he's like, yeah, that was my experience of the first volume, too. And then I kept reading, and it was better. And I was like, oh, okay. So hmm. um, I'm, I'm curious when it turns into a crime genre series. <laughs> like, that's a funny <laughs> turn for a slice-of-life comic. Um so we'll see. But it, it went for a long time. I think it had like a 90-plus issue run. So, All right. Yeah. And isn't Rachel Rising still ongoing? I don't actually know for sure. It's one of those books that will just be there forever in some version yeah. in some way. Well, apparently um, Strangers in Paradise was mostly self-published. So that's that's a cool and interesting thing that it was mostly self-published and also went for that long. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. How about you guys? Well, Kate Lamphere, how how are you? How were comics for you this week? Good. I have read enough that I found two things that I wanted to talk about, which is really surprising. Usually I only have one thing that stands out. But the first one was A Bride Story by Keoru Mori and William Flanagan, um, who translated the manga. And I picked this up from the library because I loved the cover. Um, it's set in like a 19th century Silk Road area. So it's kind of historical, but it's a, it's a slice of life fictionalized story. And a woman from a nomadic tribe is married off to a very, very young man. He's like 10 years old. And there's like this kind of awkward, funny, cultural difference um, like section of the book where they're figuring out how to like live together and like his family is really huge and luckily it avoids the really creepy potential issues with having a child being married and especially because the woman is like 10 years older than him Um, but they they avoid that entirely it doesn't even come up and it actually becomes like a problem like well they haven't they haven't done the thing, so they're not actually married. And um, <laughs> anyway, they they actually have like an adorable, like innocently affectionate relationship that I imagine would grow into a loving marriage, hopefully like ten years down the road. But is this the, like an Anakin Padme thing? I'm getting an Anakin <laughs> Padme vibe. Um, I think it's more. What does he feel like about adorable? sand? <laughs> I th- I think he's probably okay with sand because they live in the desert and he hasn't. Well, complained you never about know. It. They never can know. be from a That's desert true. planet, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, but all the characters in this are great, including the grandmother who becomes very affectionate of the bride and really stands up for her. And then the bride goes and teaches all the other women how to shoot bows and like go hunting for rabbits. And then of course that comes up and they have to defend themselves. And it's just all the ladies like encircling this like other tribe of men that have come and showed up and they're all like holding bows and arrows. It's really good. So there's more of this and I really hope that my library has more of it. Otherwise I'll be going to my local comic shop and hoping that they carry it. Cool ladies with bows is right up my alley. So this sounds good. That description was very different from what I was envisioning from the title. Yeah. Like you said, the title is A Bride's Story, and I'm envisioning like, oh, is this like a frothy rom-com drama, like wedding planner or something in that genre? Because I could be into that. And then we're at Nomadic Tribes, women defending themselves, and I'm like, still on board, but for different reasons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's really good. I really like the historical aspect of it. Like they're really, the artist is really into like the fashions and then like the craftsmanship of them like like carving the posts for their their houses and stuff like that so it's they've really showed like how life was back then in this area so it's really neat 
Nice. What else did you read? Um, it's called The Spill Zone, Volume 1 by Scott Westerfeld. He's uh, he's written a whole lot of other books, including like the Ugly series. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it's illustrated by Alex Poveland and the colorist is Hilary Sycamore. And I have really liked this author's prose books. He's really good at, at writing leading ladies. And uh, I really like like the supporting characters and things in his books, too. And so the plot line of this book is that something has spilled out of somewhere <laughs> and caused a whole lot of areas around the world to kind of go like bonkers in terms of reality and physics. Like there's whole sections of this this entire city that was affected by this that are just like entire streets are just flat, like like one dimensional flat. And there's other areas where there's like floating stuff in the air that has like artistic patterns in it. And then animals are, are kind of like wandering around and they're not really doing animal things other than like staring at the people that enter this area and their, their eyes glow. Um, and of course it's a very dangerous area. And of course our protagonist has to go into it to of course do something for her kid sister that she's now in charge of kind of like Katniss Everdeen. And there's a more like dramatic uh, plot shift toward the end of the book and it kind of ends on a cliffhanger so huh. there's more of the series thankfully and i'm pretty sure that it's out so i've got two nice. more series to track down <laughs> all right so uh so for me my current status is uh desperately trying to rewrite the new year's resolution boat because oh. i i looked at so okay so i was looking at my finances from 2019 because that was like my project last year was kind of getting my finances on track and like actually working with a financial advisor who knows what they're doing yeah and so i've actually been like paying attention to how i spend my money whoa what what who does that so um i was looking at my like budget trends for 2019 since i started working with this advisor and like late January last year. Mm -hmm. And I realized that one of my largest areas for spending was clothing, which like blew my mind because I was like, what? No, I've definitely been spending more on like healing my ankle and like buying ridiculous makeup collaborations. But no, like I actually spent a lot on clothing. And then it's one of those moments where you look at all the purchases and you're like, oh, this was all me. None of this was <laughs> none of this was like I was hacked. It's all choices that I made. But like in my defense, I needed shoes and I wanted sweaters and those are expensive things. So um, so I was like, all right, 2020, we're not going to spend this much on clothing. Like this is ridiculous. You have enough clothes. Calm down. Spend it and on comics. No, and no, no. And I immediately broke my like intention slash resolution because all of a sudden I was confronted with all of these really cute Sailor Moon shirts. Oh, no. And so now I have three. Oh, my God, Kara. How do you where do you put all your clothes? You're you're living the California I'm living lifestyle. In a box. I am in a box. Yeah. No. OK, what happened was I it was like about the time, I guess, in my clothing life cycle where I've actually just worn so many of my clothes into the ground. OK, so this so past you were year able was to get like rid of stuff. Well, yes. And this past year was really like me buying clothes to kind of like replace the clothes where I'm like, ooh, this this should have been thrown out a while ago yeah, kind of thing. I have that, too. 
but they're also the comfiest t-shirts so i know i'm wearing i'm wearing my favorite one right now while we're recording it's my jupiter ascending one with the three channing tatums howling at jupiter (laughs) (laughs) but like that has now become a sleep shirt because i don't think i can wear it out in public anymore yeah but um so yeah so i got these sailor moon shirts and like i was explaining to a friend in my defense like when i was in middle school and getting into the sailor moon manga and like spending way too much of my time as a high schooler pre-social media era like looking at ebay and all these like fan sites of all these like japanese import sites where you could get these sailor moon things that they were like making in the 90s and you could only get them in japan i spent so much time just looking at sailor moon stuff i wanted to buy but never did and couldn't and now that i like have a little bit of expendable income and sailor moon is like cool again i like can't stop myself i like need to own the things that i wanted to own when i was 12 and couldn't seems fair right okay okay so i would say have a limited amount that you budget every month for more clothes and you just spent (laughs) this month on instead of going cold turkey yeah that's how i do it with books i'm like i can't cut myself off completely i've tried that and yep. so instead of just going hog wild because I give <laughs> up, I'm going to just limit it. <laughs> yep. Nope. I'm good. I'm good. And they were all cheap. I got two t-shirts for 10 bucks each and then a long sleeve shirt I had a coupon and got for $20 in free shipping. So I nice. feel like I'm doing great. Yeah. So, all right. Comics. So <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about my Sailor Moon spending habits all day. But um, all right. So... If you have Netflix, you've probably seen ads for their new show, The Witcher, as I did. And I was like, oh, probably that's something that I'll be interested in, but I really want to watch some other stuff first. So I'll just kind of like leave that at the back of my head. And then that dude said that thing that got some article traction where he was like, this is unrealistic because ladies can't sword fight. And I was like, okay, now we're watching this show because if it has... Like, if it has women sword fighting and, quote unquote, acting like dudes, I'm like, and if by acting by dudes, this guy was like, they curse and they just tear meat with their teeth and that's unrealistic. I was like, sir, you're describing me as a person if I could also (laughs) sword fight. So now I'm very interested in watching this series. And I saw on Is it any good? I haven't started yet because I'm that person who wants to read stuff before watching stuff. Okay, so, so hear, hear me out. So I was <laughs> in a work meeting, and the only other female at this work meeting, right, because yeah. computer science, uh-huh. um, was talking about liking this new sh- Witcher show. Mm-hmm. And a guy was like, oh, I saw that. A guy who was a, a good boy. These are all good boys. Um, so... Like, our good boys on the show. So anyway, he was like, oh, I heard that. I haven't been watching it because I heard that it's really, like, sexist. And um, she's like, and, and or like, misogynistic or whatever. And she's like, well, I'd say it's more just, like, aggressively heterosexual than it is. <laughs> than it is um, sexist. Yeah, like, sure. Okay, okay. That I was a distinction it it. that I That's also true. acknowledge. All right. So um, I'm so- <laughs> very curious to hear your interpretation. Is it, in fact, misogynistic will, or just right. super hetero? So let's talk about the comic because that's actually my comment about the comic. Oh, my God. So okay. I, all right. So so I opened up Hoopla yep. and saw that, which listeners, if you have a library system that has Hoopla, 
please download Hoopla because you can read five comics for free every month. And they actually, aside from the big two, regularly update the digital comics with frequency. It's pretty great. So they had, and they usually have like on their featured page stuff that ties into stuff that like just had a trailer drop or things like that. So it's actually a very well done system. So of course, since Witcher was on Netflix, they had all these Witcher comics and Witcher Volume 1, Mike Mignola did the covers. So of course, I tapped on that immediately. I was like, wait, this does feel like a Mignola thing, which was slightly misleading because actually... Volume 1, House of Glass, which is what I read, is by Paul Tobin and Joe Chiero. And Mike McNoll only did the covers. However, uh, I've read a lot of Hellboy. That's one of my favorite franchises. Like, I don't actively think about it being one of my favorites. But if you, like, say, what are your top three, like, favorite comic whatevers, I'll probably just be like, oh, the Hellboy stuff, though. And this volume of Witcher feels very much like Hellboy comics in terms of how the story is told and paced. And, like, you know how in the Hellboy comics they'll have all these little, like, let's call them, like, breather panels where they, like, kind of stop and look at a detail or, like, cut to, like, the creepy creatures' faces. And it's just, like, a beat, but it gives you enough time to just kind of realize that this is sort of like a creepy unsettling atmosphere where time passes weirdly yeah so it was that kind of vibe in witcher house of glass and um so then i was looking i was like so in the first like page of the comic they also have like all their copyright stuff and like this is based off video games and i was like wait witcher's video game so then i had to go google it and i was like oh this comic is based off of a video game which is based off of a series of Polish novels. And I was like, what's up, Poland? (laughs) So apparently The Witcher is actually this, like, decades-long-running fantasy series of novels done by a Polish author, and it has, like, a huge cult following in Eastern Europe. So us Americans are super new to all of this. So thanks, everyone, who translated all this stuff and brought it to us in, like, video game form and comics and now a show and so forth. But, like, I was like... Yeah, what's up, Motherland? I see you. You're doing cool <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, um, I had a genetics thing for last semester that part of the class was doing our own stuff with, a, like, you know how you get your own genetics profile from, like, 23andMe or whatever. And yep. then we did a bunch of population genetics using our own stuff. And that of previous students, they've kind of, like, built up a database um, of the anonymized data. And... One of the cool things was it showed where in Poland we, I was from, which was cool. Yo, yeah, that's so cool. and it matched the family lore, which was not surprising since the family lore is you know recent. My grandparents came over here, but yeah, um, still it was cool to be like, hey, nice not, not only did they move from there, but also the genes are from there, which isn't necessarily the same. You know what right. I mean? Like, so yeah, it was cool. Nice. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay, Polish folks. Okay, continue. So, no, all right. So, House of Glass, the basic... Co- First of all, I just want to say, I am so over origin stories in comics. So, yeah. it was really nice for Witcher Volume 1 to just be like, here's our main character, story is already happening. And I'm like, awesome. Because all you, because the Witcher as a protagonist, at least in these comics so far, because I've already gone into some additional ones, is very like... Here's this dude who's like, man, a few words and fighting monsters. And I'm like, awesome. I know this trope. Let's go. 
And yeah. I didn't need to know like how he got his swords and like how he got his necklace thing that gl- that like vibrates when there's evil afoot. Whatever. I don't care. Thank you for putting me right in the middle of the story. And so basically he's like traveling and he's found this guy who's also traveling slash trying to f- get away from or sometimes find his wife who got turned into a monster or something. And they end up in the woods in this creepy house that's like a cursed house and full of cursed people. And there's a succubus, right? Like you do. And there's a succubus (laughs) there. And she's like, just like the second I saw her, I was like, all right, dudes made this book because like, like, (laughs) but like, you know, that look that that women have in comics when they're drawn to obviously just be like, here is a sexy woman. Yep. (laughs) So that and she's like, I know she I get it. She's a succubus. And like, that's their thing. But she's like, almost immediately hitting on the Witcher. And he's like, not really interested and then, of course, like later in the story, he like is interested, but he's not interested. He's like, fine, woman, I'll have sex with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, a dude wrote this. Yep. <laughs> so, so aggressively hetero. <laughs> uh, but I am continuing to read the Witcher comics. And I'm also like, I, so I was obviously curious about the novels that all of this came from and it's like kind of hard to find copies of the early witcher stories translated into english so i guess like we have an abundance of like the filtered down stuff but the original novel stuff is like yeah you could like buy it online but like my library only has a copy in like ebook form yeah sort of and i'm like oh weird this is like this big franchise but i guess that doesn't really translate to people actually wanting to read the book. No one else is a nerd like me. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> now that we've been aggressively hetero, what comics are you guys excited for? New comics come out on January 15th, 2020, because we are in the 20s, because that is our lives now. That is a thing. Uh, Kate Lanfear, what are you hyped for? There's a comic called Niobe, She is Death, and number two comes out Wednesday, but number one is getting a second printing, and I haven't read that one yet either, so I'm excited about both of them. Uh, it's written by Sebast- Sebastian A. Jones and Amanda Stenberg, yes, the actress, and the art is by Sheldon Mitchell. Um, this is actually a sequel series. The first series, Niobe, She is Life. Uh, I tried to get my hands on physical copies of it for my LCS, but they were sold out and it was never reprinted. So I'm going to have to track this down in digital somehow. And I, the plot line is about a character named Niobe who tracks down people who stole young girls for the slave trade. So I think that she becomes like a warrior woman, but the very first issue of Nyobishia's life shows what looks like a girl like staring out from behind bushes. And then the newest issue that's coming out on Wednesday shows this this armored woman with weapons who looks like she's not going to take shit from anybody. So I have to read this this prequel series and then catch up with this current series because I have to figure out how she went from girl hiding behind bushes to girl defending her people and it's only the first series is only three or four issues and then this this current series is only going to be two issues so far so there's not a whole lot to catch up with but the art looks beautiful it's a a person of color female protagonist i'm so excited (laughs) all right scotchless what do you got 
I am excited for a new graphic novel that's coming out. It's an OGN called In Pieces, Someplace Which I Call Home by Kurt Inky. I think is how you pronounce it. It's A-N-K-E-N-Y if you're trying to look it up for a library request like someone recently did here. Um, <laughs> it's a debut graphic novel from this person. It's uh, written, in, written and drawn by him. Um, and it's a series of short vignettes um, that are comedic, poetic, and some of them are just absurd. absurd um, quote-unquote reveals the personality of the small New England town. And that's what hook, line, and sinkered me. I'm like, mm, personality of a small New England town. Give it to me. <laughs> um, where he lived for uh, years with his family. And so the things that are like very atmospheric for small New England town, I get very into usually. Um, I did live in Connecticut for a while, and I think that's why. But in general, I just like that whole vibe i think so i'm excited for this it looks like it's all hand-drawn black and white which is also um can be a nice nice shift although uh, obviously with the strangers in paradise i've been all black and white lately anyway but i think it's fun going from like what i read before that was mr miracle which is very vibrantly colored and i don't know about you guys but like i like doing that shift from one to the other and back again um kind of like giving giving your eyes a break. I feel like it makes me notice the color and line work more when I'm kind of contrasting, if that makes sense. It does. I, I can't say I have done that strategy before, but... Uh, it's not so much a strategy as a thing that just happened. It just happened. Yeah. <laughs> but it happens fairly regularly for me. I don't know why. Um, but in any case, th that's who I'm excited for. Uh, if, it, if it turns out to be a bummer, then... Oh, well, it's always nice to try people's debuts, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, this week, I am going to just hit all my stereotypes and say I'm hyped for Archie number 710, a.k.a. Archie and Katie Keene number one. <laughs> so it's written by Mariko Tamaki, which, what? Mm. And, and Kevin Panetta, and the art is by Lauren Braga. So the way the main Archie series has been going recently is basically they've kept their legacy numbering, but they kind of like highlight numbers of the parts of a story they're doing when they're doing a new story part. So like prior to this, they were doing like Archie and Sabrina and they had like really prominent numbering over like what part it was. So you could say like, oh, this is technically the 705th book in the Archie series, but... Yeah. I could dive into this story and not have to have read the prior like 700 issues. So it's a little weird at first, but then you kind of get what they're doing and you're like, okay, all right, I'm on board. So who is Katie Keene? For those of you who are not colossal Archie nerds, Katie Keene is um, the supermodel of the Archie universe, essentially. Like she very, I don't, she she like either didn't or like super rarely has crossed over with Archie and the gang. She was always in like her own comic book. And if you look at like I knew her from like her 80s run that they were then reprinting in like 90s double digest where she had like the big hair and kind of like the boxier suits and stuff. Mm -hmm. And but she 
was a more prominent character in the Archie pantheon in like, I think the 50s slash 60s. And all her dresses are like super feminine and like really frilly. And she has like a boyfriend who's a boxer and like another boyfriend who's like something else hyper masculine. And um, they're bringing back Katie Keene as like a thing because she's has a new show on the CW that starts this spring, I think, or like this month or something like that. And uh, they're like branding her, I think, as more of like an Instagram influencer okay. model type situation to like make it modern and hip for the yes. new 20s kids. But um, I it's just like, you know, what if I so what if I want to see a story about a supermodel that's in the Archie universe? Like, let's do this. Give it to me. Thank you for putting a good creative team on this book. So um, I'm hyped for because like in the Archie and Katie Keene comic book that they're doing, it's basically like this influencer is now at Riverdale High. What will happen? And I'm like, any number of things, any number of things. (laughs) I find it very funny that she's Katie Keene and we have Kate Kane in the DC universe. Yeah, it's it's very and they came out around the same time too because Kate Kate Kane Kathy or she was Kathy Kane I think at the time mm-hmm. was like golden age Batwoman right. of the DC people being like, look, Batman's totally not gay. We gave That's him right. a Batwife. <laughs> That's right. And then it was uh, ironic, then delightfully ironic that they were like, it's fifty years later, and actually she's a lesbian now. <laughs> So maybe they were each other's beards all along. Yep. (laughs) All right. So that's what we're hyped for this week, January 15th. And uh, we're going to take a quick break before we get into our main topic. All right, before we get into our main topic today, we just want to let everyone know that we are doing our last quarterly I Read Comic Books zine, and we would love for you to submit something to it. If you have a little doodle that you did while you were supposed to be tabulating a report at work or whatever it is people do at their jobs that don't work at schools, like... You want to send us a little review about a comic that you can't stop telling people about, please email us at ircbpodcast at gmail.com because we would love to include your work in our zine. And please remember to fill out the IRCB listener survey for a chance to win a $15 Comixology gift card. You can fill out our survey at ircbpodcast.com slash survey. And now to our topic, which is what stories or universes would you like to see made into comics? That was a question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen, Mike, we miss you. Miss, we miss you. Get back soon. Get back safe. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think we all went very like, what fantasy books do we love? Because I don't know about you guys, but there, there's so much more visual element to them than just slice of life books that to me, I end up, um, thinking, oh, wow, these would make uh, great visual art. So I immediately went to um, Tamara Pierce's Tortal universe, but things like Skyrim and Harry Potter and got Anne McCaffrey's um, dragon books would all be cool. One, my, my first thought was, 
Harry Potter. And my second thought was, please no. And then my third thought was, but what from a different perspective? Because we already see the books kind of through. It's sure it's like a third person narrative, but we're following Harry and we only find out information as Harry finds out information. Like it would be an extremely different series of books if we were, for example, following Hermione's point of view. And then I went off that and said, but what if we were following Crookshanks's point of view? Oh my gosh. I just really want a comic of us just following Crookshanks around during Prisoner of Azkaban (laughs) and like seeing what Crookshanks sees. Because for those of you who haven't read Harry Potter, Crookshanks is Hermione's cat who is part Niesel, which means he's more intelligent than your average cat. And Crookshanks is actually an important plot point character in the third Harry Potter book. So I would be fascinated to see a visual representation of the adventures of Crookshanks. Alternatively, what if we got McGonagall's point of view and started back in the Marauders era so we get like Mm. Harry's dad? Yeah, or have Harry's mom as the main character. There's a book by Roger Zelazny called A Night in Lonesome October, and it's narrated by all of all of the like characters that are um, main characters are like the familiars, the animal familiars of all these different types of like wizards and witches and stuff like that. And that's what that reminds me of. It is a very weird book because it's <laughs> all like just these dogs and cats and bats and shit talking to each other. All right. I mean, I could be, I, I, as a comic, I think it would work great because, you know, for, especially for creatures like Crookshanks who don't talk, like telling a story with pure visual, I think Mm -hmm. would do so, so well. Like, I mean, at that point, let's just also get the perspective of the giant squid (laughs) in the lake. That's the one I've always wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Life according to the giant squid in the lake next to Hogwarts castle. Uh, so tell me so but while we were on our on our mid-show break you were both mentioning Tamora Pierce's Tortle universe so what would that look like to you in comic book form I think it would be really visually stunning there's, yeah. there's a lot of material in it and it includes like th- there's a a very large world that she's created that include multiple um, nations and things that characters travel between. There's there's a series in which a character can understand what animals are saying, but that's not like a thing that everybody can do. So that could be a really cool dynamic from like a third person point of view to watch this character communicate with an animal. Um, and there's also like some god involvement, like some of the characters have have deities basically or patrons that that like they they talk to occasionally or that visit them. Um, one of them has an animal familiar. There's a lot of animals. <laughs> yeah, I think um, along the same lines. Like, there's definitely well, because there's so many books set in that universe already. That so there's a lot of material. But then it has the standard fantasy elements of um, like mythical creatures and stuff like that that I think could be are very subject to artist interpretation. And then just the like when you get that kind of old timey fantasy world, um, the costuming can be really cool. And with the like Kate was saying, there's different nations and cultures and they have it's described um, very different styles of dress and um, kind of cultural um like different building styles and stuff like that that i think could be really brought to life in a comic um in a way that would be very expensive to do and not 
Like, it, I would love for them to get the HBO treatment, but that's never going to happen with this series. So, like, the comics would be the the closest we could get to that kind of thing um, to have it done well. And that I would be very into that. It's also a very diverse book. Like, you've yeah. got all these different nationalities that are described as, as being built differently or having different skin colors. So I think it'd be a really good book for our current, um, uh, like, industry era. <laughs> yeah. I would love for them to do the most recent, like, the Numar uh, series, just because I am significantly less attached to those books. Like, the, what is it, Tempest and something... Um, yeah. but it, it wasn't that good, which means that I want it to be remade as a comic and the comic to be really good versus the, the problem you have of adaptations of books that you love, like the Wild Magic series, um, I would have a hard time with, I think, just because it's so near and dear to my heart. It'd be kind of like a Harry Potter comic where it's like, I want it, but do I? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it's like, be careful what you yeah, wish for. Yeah, exactly. So I really think that the first series, the Alana series, would be really great because I it starts so with too. her pretending to be her brother to get into night school, and then it night you know, school <laughs> like night she's, school she's yeah night. Her, her associates <laughs> in in yeah yeah and and so you see like kind of upper class her family's upper class and then she trains near the castle so you, then you get the royal family. But then she's got friends in the city that are thieves. So you get like the lowest class. Mm -hmm. And then she goes and, and does a lot of traveling and she gets the, the goddess patron and the familiar and there's some magic in there and she does sword fighting. It's very good. And it would be very good as a comic. Mm. I would like to jump off of this, like the fantasy thing and talk about a more recent series, Throne of Glass. Which oh, I really is, like that series. I haven't read all of them, but I've read like four. I have, I have read all of them except for the last book in the series, which just came out because I'm reading them with a coworker, and she has been living her life instead of reading. What? So I need to sh all right. So I need to push her into finishing the second to last book so we can both read the last yeah. book. But so Throne of Glass is like the most cliched YA fantasy yeah. book I yeah, think 100%. ever which is why I, I love, love it. it like it's such <laughs> garbage like yeah. you're like I I opened it and I was like first of all if I was reading this when I was 14 I would be all over this second of all I am 30 and still all over yep. this because it's so bad it's good it's like, like the, that catnip type of YA fantasy where you're just like you're just mm, kind yeah. of like, <laughs> you're just my face like I know you're like I know exactly what I'm in for with this ride so basically the throne of glass series is about this 18 year old like gorgeous rich sassy assassin she's like every teenage girl wants to be this girl kind of thing yeah. like you, like you're reading this and you're like I too would like to be a gorgeous independent assassin who has all these beautiful clothes but can still fight like the strongest man like this sounds great <laughs> and then like as the series goes on you find out like more secrets about her past that make you just want to be her more and she's got like superpowers and like all the guys want to be with her so of course you're just kind of like yeah 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 all right all right I'm totally on board with all of this let's do this and it's just it would make the best manga like I don't think I I don't think there's a single fantasy series that deserves to be a dramatic sparkly manga more than Throne of Glass does because <laughs> just like there's elves everywhere and there's magic powers and there's just like 
like manga it's very over the top in a manga sort of way too exactly like i can totally see this becoming like a fantasy shoujo manga with like all these little like pages devoted to details of all like the finery of her gowns and these full page spreads of her like entering these dramatic like ball situations where all eyes are on her but she's in a mask and you don't know who she is Mm -hmm. it's just it needs to be a manga like yesterday how has this not happened yet (laughs) and then also thinking let's let's go um a classic route still kind of in the medieval fantasy realm uh, I would like to talk about Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare, oh, which yeah. which you all might know from the Amanda Bynes vehicle, She's the Man, from the mid-2000s, <laughs> which is a movie that has not aged well at all. <laughs> and, but um, the basic premise is that this girl is pretending, this girl... Viola is pretending to be her brother Sebastian for reasons. So it's just like cross-dressing hijinks because she like falls in love with this dude who's supposed to be friends with her brother. And it's just like, I feel like it's a story that would work well in comic book form because much like Shakespeare's plays being read is a different experience from Shakespeare's plays being performed, putting it in a comic book form would allow the artist to create some more dramatic beats that are just lost in the act of just straight reading the script. Like, that's that's a story that I think has a lot of moments for, you know, like, the character who's dressed as a boy looking at herself in the mirror and, like, contemplating what she's become and why she's doing it and everyone's reactions to her. And if someone's suspecting, you could do, like, a, a like a little panel off to the side of them looking suspicious. And I just feel like that is a work that would translate well to a visual medium. I'm surprised it hasn't been adapted into a comic. There's so many other Shakespeare adaptations. If it has, it's not in the way that I'm thinking of it being interpreted. Like, my inspiration for picking that over any other Shakespeare play is how good Prince and the Dressmaker was, where I was just yeah. kind of like, that kind of vibe, but you don't even need to change any of the Shakespeare dialogue. Just, like, keep going with that, but carry us through the story visually. Right. That'd be great. Right? All right. What else What else you guys got? You got a whole list here of cool, <laughs> uh, cool I've stuff. Got- uh, Brandon Sanderson's The Hero of Ages series. I've only read two of the five, I think, prose books, but this guy has so much content out there in the world, and his books are so long that there's there's a lot of material. And The Hero of Ages um, series, the first book, you've got people, you've got um, a rogue woman, <laughs> young younger woman, uh, getting falling into like a larger rogue uh, uh, group of people, and they have a sort of a magic system, but what they do is they drink different like pieces of metals, like like dusted metal basically, and they burn them and they get certain powers from these metals that are very temporary and different metals give you different powers and most people can only use a few of them or one of them. Um, but you have them like the people that can, can push away from certain metals as, as if they were magnets, like... Um, they use them to parkour off of mm-hmm. things. So you have her basically running like 20 feet above like a train, like an old school train track, like to run between cities because she's just like, like super fast burning metal to run in the air over a train track. Weird. Yeah, no, it <laughs> and, is a really cool, well-developed magic system. That's like very yeah. unique. 
And it's not right. like, it's not, it, it doesn't give them a chance to be overpowered because it's, right. it's limited. Um, but, and then later on in the, in the first or second book, she also sees like these ghostly doubles that are like, what's going to happen in like five seconds into the future or something. So I think that visually in a comic, that would be very cool to, to see how an artist would interpret that. That would be cool. This is kind of like beating a dead horse because I think I already mentioned this in the last uh, episode of I read Star Wars comic books, but um, I think that if we just forget Rise of Skywalker happened and instead release it as a series of character point of view oriented comic books, yes, then everyone will know what's happening. Yes. Like let's just let's just scrap Rise of Skywalker and reissue it as a comic book from like Kylo Ren's point of view, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my solution for fixing it. <laughs> the more time I can spend with Good Boy Ben Solo, and then not have to think about the implications of a genocidal mani- maniac, then being okay, the better. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not turning this into another Star Wars podcast. I just needed to get that off my chest. <laughs> uh, have you guys read Sean and McGuire's work or Mira Grant's yes. work? That's her pen name. Yes. No, I pretty much on. want her entire imagination as a comic book. And thankfully, she has she has so many prose, yeah. prose series. It's insane. And I'm really surprised that Don't she hasn't she gotten into comics. Yeah. It's nuts. She's like the James Patterson the of the most like, prolific. Good books. Yeah. <laughs> books except, I like. <laughs> except James Patterson definitely has ghostwriters where he's just yeah. outlining and they fell in, whereas she's like legit writing all these things. Her yeah. Wayward Children series would be incredible as comics. Yeah, those ones are they're novellas. They're like maybe 120 pages or so, and they have different characters they focus on for every book. Um, and I think that they would work really well as like four to six issue arcs. Oh. Um, and then that book, The Wayward Children's, the idea is that it's like like you've got Alice in Wonderland where some girl falls into a magical world and then comes back out again and has to deal with being in a real world where she's had this magical experience in a place that is where she truly belongs. It's mm-hmm. like that only times a thousand. <laughs> oh. Like all these children have different places that they're supposed to be and all of these worlds are different worlds that like are kind of connected to one another but anyway so each of these each of these arcs each of these novellas would have a different style of world like visually they could have different artists and different colorists and it would be really stunning oh i like that idea that sounds like it would work really well yeah mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And then Mira Grant, um, or Shannon McGuire, sorry, Mira Grant is her pen name. Um, she also has another series that I've listened to a multiple times, and it's only two books in, but I think that it would be a really good book to have as like a light horror book. Um, the first one's called Sparrow Hill Road, and it's about a, a um, hitchhiking ghost. And throughout the book, you see this this ghost interacting with people that pick her up and she she can either like try to save them like she knows what's going to happen that there's going to be a crash um and that they may or may not die and it's so it's her trying to help them to not crash and then if they do she can like guide them to the afterlife so you have these different individual stories throughout the book 
And then she also runs into different types of ghosts that like, like poltergeists or like there's a whole scene with a Strigoi. Um, and then she also has a friend that runs like an afterlife cafe that's right Naturally. next to like, like, you do. like, yeah. Um, so, so anyway, all of these issues could have a different focus, but then the end of the book, like all of these little, these little lines of, of subplot come together and, and have a really great climax of an ending. And I think that that would just be interpreted really, really well as uh, maybe like an eight issue comic series. I enjoy that you've already like, you've made the plan. We just need to pitch it to a publisher. Yeah. <laughs> Get Sean and McGuire on board. <laughs> buy like we cat did some treats. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's like Kate did the work for you. We just need you to hire everyone to make it a reality. Just pay for it, please. That'd be great. Um, I see on this list Skyrim. What's the Skyrim concept? Oh, the concept is Skyrim is amazing and should be in everything ever. Um, <laughs> I really want this just because the world is so it's just again, it's just a robust fantasy world that would be really visually cool to have. It's already visually cool in the, in the video games, but I would love more stories set in that world. But and here's the big but. I don't mm -hmm. want it to be about a beefy white boy doing beefy white boy things. I don't even want it to be a beefy boy because we have <laughs> so many comics about these beefy hero characters. You know what I mean? Like that that very specific fantasy male hero type. And I'm just like... Wait, it's not even comics. I read an article recently about how the Oscars are irrelevant because they're always going to pick the stories about the dudes on their quest or whatever and i'm like oh i hate that this is right yeah like ew so it's not just comics it's lots of media yeah and i'm like i think i'd be okay with the skyrim thing that's a, about a, a male hero as long as it's just not about him being you know this jacked muscly you know strong boy for like if it was like about this like nerdy wizard i'd be into that like <laughs> Um, they did that. It's called Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. And I love it. And I love it, Kara. Actually, that's, that's actually, no, that's a lie. Harry Potter's not the nerd. He's the jock. Hermione's the nerd. And she's the only reason he passed school. That's true. She she really pulls them through. He, she's the only reason he doesn't die. Um, I know. <laughs> so um, We're back to Potter, folks. Sorry. It's always going to happen. It's it's a circle. It It all comes back. Um, but yeah, I would especially love to have a female center like heroed book for Skyrim because I think that would be very cool. It would be very easy to do because turns out you can pick your gender when you're building your character and it doesn't have what? to be a boy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Mind I, blown. I don't I don't play video games, but I remember very vividly when Skyrim came out because basically everyone I know or follow on Twitter who does play video games was like, what do you mean I can do anything? Yeah, that's it's incredible. I love it. Yeah. You can so do anything. And unlike like so many other big world fantasy things, you can only play as the one character, and the one character is of course a man and um Especially more so back then, that it was a, I don't know, it was a big deal to me at the time. And I still love that yeah. game deeply. Hashtag representation matters. Yeah. Yup. Yup, yup. I've got another one by Scott Westerfeld I'd like to see in comic form. It says yes. uh, Leviathan series, and it's three prose books that I really loved. It's got a male and female protagonist that are younger, um, like, 
12 or 13, I want to say. And it's an alt history about the beginning of World War One, And it's it's kind of got a steampunk aspect to it. So one side has... Um, animals that they have like like messed with their genetics and they're now like weapons or ships um, and the other side has like large like mechanics like gigantic um, like I think there might be steam par- powered mechanics don't quote me on that but um, and I just want to see like the art of these kids running around on like I think it's a whale that's that flies it's like a a ship is built on the back of the whale, but it is oh. an airship. That sounds amazing. <laughs> All right, um, I have I have one more that just came to me actually. So bear with me here on this. Uh, the there are s- several series of children's books that Disney animated into films, uh-huh. <laughs> including. The Rescuers, and The Great Mouse Detective. Are you serious? I didn't know those were books first. I didn't know either until the other day when I was watching them on Disney Plus and saw at the like title credits based on a series of children's books by... So, both of these properties were done around the time when Disney was kind of having their Disney is dead, but we haven't done Little Mermaid yet slump in the 70s and 80s. But I love them so much... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they both just happen to be about mice duos who go on adventures. Yeah. And I know the I just said... is I'm, amazing. It's so good and so moody and weird. Yep. Um, so both of... I love both of these movies. And I realize that they're both about mice duos. And I realize that I also said earlier in this episode that I'm over origin stories. And that The Rescuers <laughs> and Great Mouse Detective are both origin stories. But... That just means that they're set up for additional adventures with these mice duos. In the case of The Great Mouse Detective, the very thinly veiled Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson uh, characters. And then in The Rescuers, Bernard the Janitor and Bianca, the gorgeous diplomat who go around saving children who need to be saved. And I cannot tell you how much I love mice duos going on adventures in the greater human world. So I want to see more comic book series of these characters (laughs) having their adventures. Give it a good creative team. Don't talk down to the kids. You didn't do it when you had child abduction in both of these movies. So just let these mice go on their adventures in their respective series. Rescuers already had a sequel in the 90s with Rescuers Down Under, so I know you can make more stories with these characters. Do the thing. <laughs> Give me more of what I want, Disney, please. <laughs> Comic books are cheap. You can do this. You don't have to make a whole show. I'll accept a graphic novel of the adventures of Bernard and Bianca. I am very deep into this thought now. <laughs> Um, before we wrap up, do either of you have any other universes you would like to see in comic book form? I mean, that really wraps it up. I'm going to think of fantasy series I love and want to see after uh, yeah. we we end. But honestly, it's all kind of variations on theme, right? That um, we want to see these big worlds in these visually dynamic characters and these stories that aren't usually told, right? Is the kind of the thing we keep coming so- back to. So I get the last word with Rescuers and Great Mouse Detective. 
<laughs> yeah. so I will say that I like, really we're just going to skate right past the fact that you were recently watching these, which is amazing. And you're living your best so life. Much. I am living my best life. Disney Plus is the best thing that's happened to me. It's just terrible for my productivity. Like, all I want to do is be able to have access to Disney movies at all times. And they gave it to me. I have to pay for it. But like, <laughs> meh. Yeah. I will say that I really like that direct to original graphic novel is becoming a thing with for, like like formats that comics can be in because it means that we it a story doesn't necessarily have to have like 12 to 16 good story beats for it to be a comic even though a lot of our examples did have them. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. We're living in a we're living in a great time to be alive if you like nerdy media of any kind. So let's just keep that train rolling. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for listening for our show today. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Kate at Kate L. Fear, me at at Kara S. Zam, and the show at IRCB Podcast. We post and share comic news, art, sass, and more. The show is powered by fans like you on Patreon. Find our Patreon at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. Join for exclusive audio, articles, previews of the schedule, er- access to early, early access to top of my poly posts, and more. Um, our Greg Reads group is a lovely community of comic book friends. Join our yearly reading challenge, which is being developed for this year, and comment on our weekly threads. Check it out at ircbpodcast.com slash goodreads. And you can also head over to ircbpodcast.com for our pronunciation guide, Discord server, zines, merch, and everything else IRCB. If you haven't already, please rate and review our show, five stars, if you will, on iTunes and beyond, and we'll read your review on the next episode. You can email the show with what you've been reading, recipes, corrections, and so on at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email us at that address if you have zine submissions. Infinity Shred is the best. They do our music. Xander is a wizard who also happens to edit our show. And thank you again for joining us for this week's episode. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. 